Welcome to Interruptions Podcast, where we have heartfelt and sacred discussions about our culture, faith traditions, and community. We invite guests who are open and willing to share their journey and disrupt the silence on their personal and professional interruptions that have impacted their lives as it relates to our mental health. Kathy and I are passionate about every episode and committed to providing actionable advice that you can apply today to reinvent yourself on your life journey and encourage you to develop a path toward healing. Our podcast today is titled, Does the Church Really Hear Me? I am Reverend Odell. And I'm Kathy Patton. And welcome, welcome to our podcast. Our guests tonight uh, will be Reverend Stallworth and Reverend Whitfield. But before we uh, bring them on, Odell, uh, thank you for sharing that May is Mental Health Month. Yes, it is. It's um, something that we're giving tribute to today. And people always say, well, what's the purpose of mental health? You know, it's not like it's Cinco de Mayo where you can go out and get drinks. You know, what we want to do with mental health is to raise awareness of trauma, and the impact that it can have on our physical, emotional, and mental well-being for our families and our communities. And that's what leads us to our guest today, who are one of our guests is from Iowa and talking about mental health in the Black church and our local Reverend, Reverend Dr. Charlie Starworth, who is from Bridgeport, Connecticut. And they are our guests today. So we are going to welcome to the room the Reverend Dr. Jonathan Whitfield and the Reverend Dr. Charlie Stallworth. How are you? Wonderful. It's good to be here. Doing great, Reverend Odell. Doing great. You know, Reverend Starworth, I mean, it's Reverend Whitfield. I have to tell you, you are the only black man I've ever met from Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) That means I I need to bring you out here to Des Moines. uh, Let you know that there is a few of us here. There is a few. (laughs) That is funny. That's funny. I had to make sure I looked up your church correctly. I said, Iowa or Idaho? Where am I? I wanted to to make sure I had it correct. <laughs> it was an I. It was an I. You remembered that, right? I knew yes. it was yes. an I. Yes. Well, welcome to our show. Um, we would like for both of you all to introduce yourselves. And in doing so, we want to ask you the question. Now, we know that you're both pastors, senior pastors in your churches, and you both pastor predominantly a Black congregation, correct? That's correct. So tell us now, as you introduce yourself, why is it, what has happened now to make you have this mission, this quest to talk about mental health in the black church as you introduce yourselves? And Reverend Starworth, because you're local, we're going to start with you. Uh, first, let me say how honored I am to be here and to be part of this discussion tonight and to you. Uh, Reverend Cooper, who's just uh, just a fabulous person, leader in our community and in our faith community. And it's good to meet Kathy tonight and to always be on a panel with my dear brother, uh, the Reverend Dr. Jonathan Whitfield. I am honored and I am delighted. I, it builds my resume, so I'm going to add to my resume that I've been <laughs> uh, with the three of you. So, uh, 
I can tell about I can tell my mother one day when I see her in glory. I made it. I, I, I was on the podcast <laughs> with three giants. I made it. Um, but uh, I'm Gus's baby boy. Uh, honored to serve as pastor of East End Baptist Tabernacle Church in in Bridgeport and state representative for the uh, 126th district, North End of Bridgeport. And I guess I can come back at the at the Reverend Whitfield and provide the second part to your question. No, please do it now, okay. please. Tell okay. us why now mental health in, in the black church. Yeah, you know, I think this this ideal found me. I didn't really go searching for it. As a matter of fact, uh, I had decided uh, a few months ago that I would uh, start doing my morning meditations again on Facebook Live. And I just outlined some topics, depression, joy, peace. And I came on and gave it like an outline. We're going to do these these things. And when I when I uh, did a Bible lesson, basically a meditation on uh, depression, and shared my story of a great bout of depression that I experienced in the '90s when I served where uh, Reverend Whitfield uh, now serves, and, and I often got asked the question of the black people in and I would always have waited one lesson. But it, it just caught on. I started getting emails and text messages in which people were saying, we need to talk about this more. And the more I thought about it, I, that was 20 years ago. And an experience I had not revisited for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I sort of shared what worked for me then and what works now. Uh, because, you know, I tell people depression for me uh, does not go away. You never know when it's not going to pop up. And so I've developed some techniques that help to, um, to to get me through. And so really, I did not go looking for this topic right now. The topic, you know, it found me and uh, talking with my colleagues and we were able to do several webinars and, um, you know, talking with my colleagues is a big issue as we re-enter the, re-enter the church. You know, if we're trying to go into, if we're going to help people have some freedom with those of us who are part of the clergy must have that freedom too. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry for that long answer. <laughs> Thank you, Reverend Starworth. Reverend Whitfield, could you please? Sure, let, let me join in and thank you, uh, Reverend Odell, for having uh, me to be part of this. And uh, great to meet Kathy as well. And to uh, share the stage with Dr. Starworth, uh, who we, uh, we share a lot in this pastoral ministry as far as our our sheep uh, by virtue of the church that I'm pastoring now. And uh, I, I should blame him for trailblazing uh, the black roots of, of Iowa, but uh, I think there was a few here before he got here. <laughs> but, but great to follow him and to uh, stand on the, you know his shoulders and the other great pastors of the Corinthian church in Des Moines, Iowa, which is the capital of the state. Uh, we're blessed to serve uh, there with them, uh, specifically during this time frame, and we look forward to you know pressing forward in this Midwest region. Uh, why mental health and why now? It's um, kind of a, a, re, a, re, a revival of the thought and the experience uh, in my personal life by virtue of the time in which I was on the East Coast with you all there in the state of New Jersey and pastoring there. Uh, my wife was actually attacked in the church by a woman who was suffering uh, from schizophrenia. We didn't know at the time. Uh, we we ministered as a church family, knew how to minister, 
uh, but she had deeper rooted scenarios going on in her life. And uh, that mental scenario uh, ended up causing her to become violent. And unfortunately, my wife ended up being the uh, uh, bearing the brunt of that attack. Coming here to Des Moines, um, uh, having survived that scenario, uh, brought my mother out here. And now in her 80s, uh, we see the efforts of her life uh, being a struggle. And then we discovered that she is now suffering uh, from hallucinogenic voices herself, mm. and it's starting to affect her. And what we saw was her inability or unwillingness to receive the help that she needed. And uh, we had to work with mom extensively to get her to trust the medical institutions and get some of the help that she needed. And so watching mom, you start looking around the church because those members who were young when Dr. Starworth were here got a few gray hairs now. And so we're watching some of them start to show signs of, uh, you know, some, some mental issues. And so now is very much a, a, a prominent time frame for this church that I pastor, which is uh, about 60% of members over 65 years of age. Okay. So yeah. good time for this. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, both of you. When you are, I, when you're going through ministerial school, because it's, it's, I'm appreciative of you sharing this information right now. So as you're going through your studying, has mental health really been part of that study? Because I, you know, I'm coming from the outside, so I don't know what the study is. This really is a question for all three of you. So Odell, was, was that part of your study in terms of counseling and mental health when you were going um, through your ministerial studies? Uh, for me, no, I didn't even want to be a preacher. I, 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 I was going to seminary school. I, I went to seminary school at Harford Seminary, the Black Ministries program, and I wanted to be the best Sunday school teacher I could possibly be. I just wanted to study Old and New Testament. And I, you know, fell in love with the Old Testament and fell in love with technology. My, you know, my, my gift, my passion was teaching churches how to use technology. Mm -hmm. um, mental health, as, as Reverend Starworth said, found me. Mm -hmm. um, I did not find it, nor did I study this. It wasn't something that we talked about in seminary school. Right. We do pastoral counseling, but that seemed something for old people to do, not young people. Yeah. I think that's what kind of what maybe I shouldn't have started with you because I should have known better. Um, and so, <laughs> but I think that's an assumption from a layperson's point of view, right? We assume that every minister is prepared to deal with counseling, even when it comes to issues of like mental health, because today uh, the title of our podcast is, does the church really hear me? So Reverend Whitfield, what would you say in a response to people that ask that question? Does the church really hear me? And we're saying that in reference to issues of mental health. Church, church has difficult time hearing, um, the, what's happening with those who are suffering with mental health because it hasn't been a conversation that's been readily talked about or, or taught. Um, as uh, 
Reverend Odell said, not 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 even from the seminary perspective of old, uh, this subject matter was maybe mentioned and this moved on, or if it was dealt with, it was dealt from more of a from a uh, spiritual context instead of a biological context, which really led us more to uh, praying and and sending folks on, believing that you know God's just going to heal you. And uh, if he didn't hear you, maybe you got something else wrong with you, you know, or maybe you did something wrong, you know, you know, and you deserve what you're going through. But we really didn't understand, um, you know, the the biological things that were happening with with the brain. And, and so even like now going through some studies, you move from talking about mental health to brain health. Mm-hmm. So you understand that that there's something going wrong with that brain and that's why people are suffering. And so it's hard to hear a, a conversation that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. And Reverend Starworth, you talked about going through depression. And at, at that time, did you recognize that you were going through depression? And if you did, would the church have heard you then if you even dared to say you were going through a level of depression? Correct. Uh, great question. Uh, I had no idea when it happened. Uh, it, I guess it was just a gradual process. Uh, but I remember when being told, hey, you know, we figured out from these tests or whatever that you that you are depressed. And I'm thinking to myself, can I have diabetes or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'll take a tumor. I don't want this. Don't want this. And, and, uh, I'll take you, but just not this one because of the stigma attached. I was fortunate. It's where Dr. Whitfield serves. Now, I was fortunate that there was a person in that church who was a surgeon uh, by training uh, that I was able to call and uh, who got me in to see one of his friends. And and whose professional background sort of helped. If I had been at another church, it probably would have been a different story. But I was just at a good place uh, when I needed it most. You know, Reverend Starworth, I remember you saying that you wish you had told the church you had cancer instead of mental health. And that still rings with me today, just speaks volumes. Wow. And, you know, it's, it's sad, but sad, but true. Now, I know Reverend Starworth, you are on social media and and Reverend Whitfield, you're in the prisons. You all are talking to people about their mental health. Um, so you're in the community, you're on social media and Reverend Starworth, you recently coordinated a team of us to get together to talk about, you know, I was with the big dogs. I need to say, I, I, I made it. You know, I was on with the Reverend doctors and the bishops and, and the doctor doctors. And and Kathy, they quoting scriptures and telling stories. And I'm sitting there like, I got brain aneurysm. I can't remember these stories unless I'm reading them. But I looked intelligent. I just thought, no. <laughs> um, but it was it was it was awesome experience to actually have people listen to us and to be mm-hmm. in you all's company and to talk yeah. about this. That was brave. So for the community, I know you're doing it in the community, but the question is, have your sermons inside your congregations changed? And if they have, how are they being received? 
Let's start with you, Reverend Whitfield. Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, I, I took on this subject matter also as part of my doctoral thesis. And so I wanted to, um, you know, bring an awakening, if, if that's the right word, to the church in this season uh, about the, 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 the silent suffering, I think, that we do. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, and I also wanted to make them aware of, I think the Bible s spoke more about mental health than we gave it credit for. I think mm -hmm. that the whole process of healing uh, from God, it matches the makeup of man and how he created us. This is not just the body, uh, but it was also uh, our soul and our minds. I think that that healing is, is all through the scriptures. And so I remember one sermon that I did, um, the woman who was bent over for, for 18 years, uh, I, I, you know, had a whole different look on that text when you start to look at it from a mental perspective and start to address what, what was she going through? 18 years of inability of the medical science to help her, uh, 18 years, the text is clear, she came to church stayed in church that was a place in which she goes you know but 18 years the church couldn't help her <laughs> help didn't come till jesus showed up in person and um so what was she thinking what was she saying how was she praying you know that's a that's some dedication and loyalty to a situation uh as you all already said that that grabbed her she ain't asked for back problem back 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 grabbed her and she had to deal with that that situation and so I remember just the last time I'm preaching that text, it, it, it was blessing me. I hope it blessed them. It was blessing me, you know, to, to know that, you know, we, we bring our realities to church. And, and, and it, it's some of that affects us. I think all of it affects us, not just from the places where we looked, but we've also have this mental effect that, that, that deals with us and that there's a healing. I think the text talked really about Jesus healing her inside before he healed her outside. And so okay. he, he touches our minds. Thank you. <laughs> Reverend Starworth. Yes. I, I would, uh, for me about, uh, well, over a decade ago, I went through a divorce and at that moment I decided it takes too much to hide. I just have to be transparent from this point forward. And so that transparency has given me a freedom in my preaching uh, to just to be honest and to say to my members, not only do you need a pastor, but you need a counselor. And your pastor, this particular pastor, is not your counselor. <laughs> you need someone who's an expert in the field. And that happens not to be me. You come to see me, you probably end up yeah. doing something really crazy. But... <laughs> 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 just to be transparent and let people know you need your soul worked on as dr whitfield said you need your brain worked on too if if i have a counselor and i do and you come in to listen to me preach you should probably have a counselor too so i've just been transparent with it. you know finding scriptures to help us heal has been a challenge because it's not, as you all said, it's not something that pastors preach before. Mm -hmm. So being home, I had to find these scriptures on lamenting, you know, and yes, yes, where, yes. where is it? And I had to find them in Psalms and, and they were the, it was like the first time I had ever read them before. Now, so for, for Odell and I, because we're, we're friends, I respect her, um, be, 
because she is a, a minister as well, but we're friends. And so I, when I say to her, okay, I need you to start a Bible study for me because I need something for the summer, you know, she does it, right? And so <laughs> she's like, I have nothing else to do. I'm just going to start this Bible study for you. I said, okay, thank you. I would like that. And I need it to be on a Tuesday night at six o'clock if that works well for you. Um, but <laughs> for senior, for, as senior pastors, when you want to change the conversation, the course of your sermons, is that something that you have to have conversation with, with the leaders of your church? And if so, what do those conversations look like and how are they received? So this is big to have these conversations about mental health in your church. So did you just decide, you know, I'm going to start preaching on this and this is, these are my sermons or do you have to have those conversations initially? If I, can, if I can chime in, I think it's twofold. I think uh, most black preachers <laughs> are independent thinkers. So <laughs> whatever he or she feels the spirit is moving, that's the way that preacher's going to go. However, when there's a topic that uh, one needs to process, maybe it's good to call leaders in uh, to be able to have that conversation together to say we're going to tackle some tough terrain here. Uh, it's a tough subject. And, to, and not for their approval, but just to invite them in as partners in the process. Okay. All right. And then do you, do you help them to be able to deal with questions they might be faced with? Or is it, um, you know, refer them to me? Or how, did, how does that, I mean, do they respond back to you to say, I don't know if that's a good idea, or I don't think we're ready, or or are those conversations happening or do they need to happen, Reverend Whitfield? Well, I agree with Dr. Starworth. It, a lot of it is the tenor and tone of your relationship, you know, with your leaders. And um, in the midst of that, you, 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 you do, you know, gain insight on how far that conversation needs to go. Mm -hmm. um, questions are good because you know what they're thinking, you know how they're thinking you know, where their fears are and where they lie. And so those answers you can give to help bring them on board, kind of bring them along to what you're trying to do. Um, but also, you know, the power of the pulpit and preaching uh, is always going to be uh, connected to the power of that the gospel that we preach. And they're not always going to understand every subject that you're going to bring or every inspiration that you have. And so, you know, I've, I've gained a just a simple statement to say sometimes if they don't get it, uh, I need y'all to trust me on this one. You know, <laughs> you know, walk with me on this one. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good one. Trust me I on love, this one. I'm going to yeah. use that with my husband. I love yeah. that one. Trust, <laughs> trust me on this one. Uh, you, know, you know, pastoring, I know, is not easy. Um, we are, Kathy and I are in the membership, we're in leadership, and we hear people just da-da-da-da-da, Pastor Bennett this, Pastor Bennett this, why this, why did he do this, why didn't he, um, or, and I know that pastoring is not easy, and if your membership, your disciples disagree with you, they will stop coming, they'll stop paying their tithes, 
and they'll even go to another church. And what we're not been able to see online, because if they don't like what you're saying, we can just swipe and just go to another church. I don't, I don't have to put the finger up and walk out the door. I can just check, check out. So, you know, now you all are talking about mental health. And there are still people in our church, regardless of their age, that still believe just pray, um, just pray more. And we know, and I'm not asking you all to define this next statement, but we know that the church is getting ready to split over same gender marriages. So I'm not asking your opinion on it because this is not this conversation, <laughs> but what is your congregation going to say when they come back in and this is your mission and this is your voice and now you're saying prayer and, how do you think, you know, you're saying trust me on this, but you still are going to have folks that like, I'm not, it's cultural not to talk about what's going on in our household, not to share our information because it's what we've been taught to do. Now you all are telling us to do something totally different. How do you think the majority of your congregation is going to receive this? Trust me now, Reverend Whitfield, go on and, and let us know how you think they're going <laughs> I think it's going <laughs> to, uh, you painted that picture so well. I want, I want to resign now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think, I think the, the COVID vaccination statistics are pretty much going to be how the church responds. And that's almost like a, th a third. I'm, I'm going to have a third who's probably ready to run with it. Uh, probably a third who's questioning it, give me more information, and then a third that's just going to be uh, negative about it. Um, I, I kind of use the uh, the traffic light philosophy. I got you got mm -hmm. the green, the yellow, and the red. And um, what I'm going to do with it is just be respectful of those their positions, try to minister to them where they are, but also be clear that um, I think you know this is innovative thinking kind of sort of uh you know it feels new even though it's not new it's been old it's just been things that we've missed and uh we haven't gotten to but to them it is new and for them and i can use my mom as an example it, it really took some care in talking mm -hmm. to her took some care in getting her to realize that she really needed this help that we were offering and it, it took uh, her trust to allow us to be with her in the midst of this. And and so there's going to be, I'm going to need the ones who grab it to help minister to the ones who haven't. Uh, we're going to have to build some care, internal care uh, and concern kind of committees and things. And then through that, I think we can, we can get them there, but I think it's going to be split a third, a third and a third. Okay. Thank you. Reverend Starworth. Yes. Uh, I, I agree completely. I think one thing that would be our salvation is that people do identify with pain. And mm. these issues are going to be places where people identify with it, whether they say anything or not. Because we all know someone uh, who, in, who are in a uh, same-sex loving relationship. We all know someone who died of COVID. We all know someone who has been depressed. And that, and that person that we know sometimes is the seller. <laughs> And so I think people will identify the pain. So even if they don't want to hear them initially or if they don't want to embrace it, I think the reality uh, that it will be present 
let me just quickly tell this. Frank Thomas, who was pastor of Mississippi Boulevard Church for a long time, and now he leads up a group of PhD students in preaching, tells the story about while he was at that church and felt, and felt called to be preach the full counsel of God, preached a sermon on masturbation. And he said it was so quiet in that church that particular Sunday that it was like the AC system was the only amen he could get. However, at the end of the year, that was the number one CD that people requested. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> uh, that was yeah, you things you're surprised about. You know, we we know that third you all talk about mm -hmm. that you're going to have to ask others to help you along because they're still in the prayer. You know, pray more. Mm -hmm. This has happened to you, you know, as you said in your opening, Reverend Whitfield, that maybe it's something that you did or you didn't do. And God's working on you, you know, and it's just to pray more. And and what we tend, and what we tend yeah. to pray for. So, Kathy, I have a question for you. This is from Thumb. I'm coming to you now. You've been coming at me. So. As a parent, you when you're when we're pregnant, you know, when we were pregnant, we would just have, you know, we would what gender do you want? And we would just say a healthy boy or girl, healthy boy or girl. There was no reveal parties or anything like that. It was just a healthy boy or girl. And Kathy, I know you prayed for a healthy child and your daughter has autism. Mm. And how do you, you know, work with God on the fact that She's healthy, but she mm -hmm. has autism. And some people will say that God didn't answer your prayer. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you deal with this? You know, I have been asked that a number of times, but that, honestly, I never questioned um, what, because that my daughter found us, that situation found us, right? And so I never questioned what we were dealing with. What I did, what I will share with you is that what I did pray for is to be a good parent and to find support and what I needed to do for her to have as normal a life as possible. And then, you know, and I even hate to say normal life because who deems what a normal life is, right? It's in the media, it's in the newspapers, whatever, whatever they put in social media, that's deemed normal. But for us, it was for her to be happy, for her to be healthy, for her to get the education that she really uh, deserved to have and that whoever faced her and was, was with her um, would be the right person to teach her what she needed to learn. I, I will tell you, my struggle was recognizing my limitations because mm -hmm. I'm a mom. So moms are supposed to heal everything, right? We're supposed to know everything. We're supposed to make everything better. You know, we kiss the boo-boos and they go away. But what I had to recognize for me was she used to have numerous therapists that would come into the house. And so she had a physical therapist, a speech therapist. And the one that came in as the physical therapist, when she would move my daughter's legs and arms and everything, my daughter would cry. And the therapist would try to say to me, you know, she's it's not hurting her. It's just uncomfortable for her because she's not used to using those muscles. Now, I'm not a person that hates easily, but I will tell you, I physically hated that woman. 
And because I was saying, I don't, that doesn't sound right to me. She's crying. You're moving her. And so, but I physically hated her. Like I, I felt it when she came into the house. And so, you know, one evening we had to make a really important decision for my, my daughter to move from being in daycare and having to actually go to school at the age of three, because that's how the system worked at that time. And I remember uh, being in prayer. And when I say I released, I, I, I released. I cried. I cried for a good hour. And then when I got up that next morning, I felt like I had lost 20 pounds. I felt like I had I could see the sun and life just came back to me. I, I came out of what I didn't even recognize to be a storm. And so when I looked at her physical therapist the next time I recognized it wasn't that I hated her. I hated the situation that she was the one to make my daughter better. She was the one that was helping her to learn to walk. She yeah, was yeah. the one helping her to learn to move. And that wasn't her job. That was supposed to be my job. And so I have you sitting here doing something that I, as a mother, had to recognize my restrictions in being able to do. And, and since then, I think what, what I've been blessed to be able to do, my husband and I, is to work <coughs> other parents through that situation to recognize we do, we have limitations. We don't know that that we, um, we're we not going to be able to want to make everything better for her, but we can be the person to be that, to bridge her to the services that she needs to get. And that was probably so helpful for other parents who didn't, who was feeling the same thing you were, but didn't know why they were feeling it. Um, being able to have that conversation with your peers who are going through it is very important, which, is. which leads me to my question to you, pastors, because you all are unique and, <laughs> you know, not every pastor is talking about mental health. And, you know, we had a conversation not too long ago, Reverend Starworth, that <laughs> someone said, you know, how can you help my pastor, you know, say the words from the pulpit because the congregation will not move unless he says prayer and. So amongst yourselves, you're, you know, those who are saying it, the conversation is, is in sync. But what do you, what's the conversation that you have when someone in the room says, I'm not doing it. I'm not preaching it. I'm not prepared for it. Because if you all mentioned, we, we didn't, we didn't learn this in seminary school. And now it's now it's in front of you, pastors. It's there in front of you. So what do you say to your peers who say, I'm not doing it? That's why I'm here tonight to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's why I was coming to <laughs> but you know, it, I mean, it is so true, and I have to say, I don't know the answer right off. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I also hear people who are saying, you know, uh, I don't know how to deal with it. I don't. Mm -hmm. I'm not prepared. I don't believe it. But I haven't heard anyone in the room deny its existence. Okay. And so I don't know if that's a starting place, but hopefully I'll hear it tonight. So maybe Dr. Fitzgerald has the answer. <laughs> Man, I, I was going to say, I just lead him and call you. <laughs> so I need to talk to somebody who understands. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, there's no denying of what we're seeing or experiencing. I think 
the division comes in on how we deal with it. And um, the, I think that's where, I guess, the colleague relationship mm-hmm. kind of severs because um, I'm in a, maybe let's say if you talked to me 15, 20 years ago, we'd, we'd all ran to the altar, but I'm at a place now where it's not that I'm not going to pray, but I'm probably going to pray with you as I drive you somewhere, you know, or, you know, as I take you somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, The last time uh, Dr. Starworth preached at Corinthian, uh, he made a point in his sermon that that I've been making in mind, and that is that we need a preacher and a pill. <laughs> you know, and we uh and I was, you know, he he I just finished saying something like that, I think across the pulpit, and then he came back and said it, and then I was like, see, see <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, and I think that was about that was about what man, about 2018. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, I think, yeah. So I was really just starting to talk that talk past Odell and Kathy. I was starting to hit that sermon line where I wanted to see if we could, uh, you know, expand it like that. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's not a lot of us. It's not a lot, but it's, um, I, I hope that I can say it's growing, Good. you know, mm-hmm. I hope I can say that. And I, yeah. and I hope I can say that, um, uh, as what Kathy's doing and, and helping people to see through her experience, the direction, that Dr. Starworth and I, as well as yourself, we're doing the same, and we're we're blazing that trail and and seeing some successes, you know, by offering the totality of holistic healing to people to let them know that we're not erasing God. We're actually we're actually broadening the perspective of God by by embracing all that God has given us to help us through these situations. Because I'm grateful for therapists because Lord knows, yes. uh, you know, I got a book for you to write, Dr. Odell. You need to write uh, the, the, the clergy and the couch or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> write the book. <laughs> hey, Reverend Odell, if, if, if I could just add, I used to be there where those preachers are. Yes. Yeah, I used yeah. to be there. Yeah. And if it had not been for my experience, I probably would have stayed there. Now you because I remember, okay. yeah. I remember going yeah. to church, going to church, being depressed and yes. thinking, "Okay, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness." So Come I'm on, Reverend. Shout my words. <laughs> yes, sir. No, don't shout me now. Don't shout me. And as soon as the benediction ended, I was as depressed as I was. As you was when you went in. Yes, sir. Yeah. So my experience brought me from that place. I, you know, I didn't have this, you know. Uh, the offer did that changed my life. No, the experience did it for me. Yeah. And yeah. that's what, you know, I got this phone call the other day and someone said, can you help me? And I immediately called Reverend Starworth. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I need your help, you know, because I'm a female reverend and this is a male pastor. So I know I'm not, I don't know you. I'm not going to listen to you. Who are you? So I said, have them listen to our podcast. And then she responded back, is there something shorter that I can send them? I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, what do you want? (laughs) A commercial? (laughs) You know, watch the news if you want something shorter. Go back and to see all the deaths that happened during COVID if you need something shorter. Mm -hmm. But the reality is in front of us. It is there. 
I mean, the reality is that we all grew up hearing, take it to the Lord in prayer because prayer answers all, right? Mm -hmm. We were not, with the finger point, we were not to question God. You you pray and God will take care of it. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, being younger, you want to say, but, but you were supposed to say that, but I mean, that, but could get you put on punishment or, you know, um, and so you take it to the Lord in prayer. And so how do we begin to teach, as Odell said, the prayer and in the midst of knowing that God is working on us and working through us, but still there is the prayer and I would have been stuck if I didn't recognize I needed to move past prayer into action for my daughter. And so while I'm now in a place where I can help people through that, um, how do we continue to help people through that and teach them that we're not saying not to pray. We are saying that there is always going to be prayer and. How do you teach that? So Reverend Whitfield, how would you teach that? Um. Just a couple things on that, uh, real quick. I, um, I guess, like I said, relooking at stuff. I, I had one of my one of my drywall spells caused me to just start looking at scripture again, trying to find what I missed. And one of the things I found out is that in the process of faith that we've teach uh, and that we've taught and are teaching is that it needs to also show the fact that the the object of our faith. God, in his blessing of us, he does not just leave us starstruck, but in the midst of those blessings, he also gives us responsibilities. Uh, faith is just not, uh, I, I believe in, and do nothing. Faith is an action word, and it, and, and it deserves, and it needs, and it commands us to do something with it. Having said that, re-examine re some of those healings in the scripture uh one that's very vivid is is when he made the spittle with the dirt and the clay and put it on the man's eyes mm -hmm. he blessed him but then he said go and wash <laughs> you, know, you know there's something that we're supposed to do and so it, it was like i said that's why we got to relook at some of these scriptures because we might have left a few things out in the processes of how God is really doing this healing thing. And so in re-examining the word of God, we ain't got to run away from it, embrace it. I think that you're going to see our opportunities to teach a more holistic approach to how God not only did, you know, uses his, his blessings upon us, but he also uses mankind in the midst of those healing processes. Thank you. And, and Reverend Stallworth, what would you say? I agree completely. I would uh, continue to challenge those tra those traditional beliefs. You know, we all hear that you don't question God. Uh, sounds like abuse to me to be in a relationship in which I cannot ask questions. God, God started this question thing. Adam, where are you? So I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. And you know, people say God, God will put more on you than you can bear. Where did you get that from? You know, God will put more on you than God can bear. God will put more on you than you can bear. And uh, just to sort of expand what we already have, because now. 
if we have a headache, we pray and take Tylenol. Don't we? Don't we? Yeah. And don't so if high blood pressure, we pray and take our medication. Yes. So just, yes. To, yes. just to sort of expand that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know I, I thank you for that. Um, when I was home with the brain aneurysm and losing my son, and I would show up at Kathy's house just in tears. Just she just let me just cry. And I just I was told not to question God. <laughs> and I like, I don't know, I gotta go someplace and I need some help. And it took me a year to start going through the scriptures and finding why I couldn't question God. You know, why I couldn't get mad at God. <laughs> and I clearly remember, you know, I'm in the scriptures, I'm in Exodus, and um Moses is, you know, clearly coming off the mountain with the tablets. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't Moses. It was David. David was celebrating and the ark was coming into town and he was, you know, parading and carrying on. And his friend slipped and fell and touched the ark and he died. And the scripture said, and David got mad at God. I was like, what? <laughs> I love I, David. I love David. Yeah. I went back again. I found different versions and David got mad at God. And I said, there's got to be more of these scriptures. <laughs> yes. yes. And yes. if God so loved David and, and blessed David and David, 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 and David can get mad at God, then little old Odell can say, okay, God, we need to have a discussion. (laughs) And it really helped me to open up and to look at scripture differently and to have a different relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Because the relationship that I had was my Bible was bigger than my God. But now my God is bigger than my Bible. Talk, talk. And I'm like, yeah. we're going to have a conversation here, yeah. God. This yeah. is not working out. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Odell, it's funny you said that because I remember having to go to um, parent-teacher conferences for my, my daughter. My husband would always go with me. My mother would initially go with us while she was alive because she knew how these conversations should go. Um, and I did nothing but cry through the entire meeting. But once I grew, we were able to go um, by ourselves. And the one time my husband could not come with us. Um, and, you know, I said, okay, I'm good. I got it now, you know. And uh, the teacher sat across the table from me and said, I think that you should um, get comfortable with the fact that your daughter has reached her capacity of learning. And I don't know where it came from, but I, I mean, my initial want was to just burst out in tears, but I didn't. And I don't know where the courage came from, but I said to her, in our household, we answer to a higher authority than anyone sitting at this table. And when he tells me she has reached to the capacity of learning, then that's when I will begin to listen. I said, but you as a teacher, to be able to be comfortable to sit across from any parent at any time in their life and say that a child has reached their capacity of learning, it is potential that you are in the wrong type of business. Now, when I left that meeting, of course, I broke out in tears. And so it happened to be, I knew it was a Wednesday because I went to Bible study that night 
And um, and I and I wanted to go to Bible study that night, and I was still very tearful. And and I sat next to I actually sat next to the pastor's wife, and I had a question, and I said, I need you to ask the the teacher this for me. Like, why can't God just smite somebody? Because I'm mad. And so <laughs> and she's saying, um, well, I, why don't you ask that question? And she knew what had happened. I said, I can't ask that question. I'm in the church. I can't, you know. <laughs> and so, um, but she said, ask the question. So I asked the, the question and, and the minister that was teaching the class and said, you know, I'm very, I'm angry with God to allow her to ask me that question. And then I want him just like to do something to her, not like kill her, but just like do something in her <laughs> life <laughs> because she should not, that should not have been allowed to be asked. So he stopped the class and said, did you hear what she just said? That she was angry with God. And like you, Odell said, you know, we weren't supposed to be ever angry with God. How dare you be angry with God? But like you said, why not? Right. If this is a relationship, we get angry at each other. And so this is a, a growing relationship. So thank you for, for sharing that, because at least now I know I'm not in that by myself. I took back what I wanted them to do to the woman. By the way. And nothing <laughs> happened to her. But at that moment, I was. <laughs> but I, I appreciate that. And so. So I can ask all of you this, and then Odell, you can't answer first because you're going to be last. The reason I, I I bring that up because I'm very comfortable having these conversations, definitely with Odell. And Odell has shared with me that um, there are pastors who are pastors' pastors. Mm -hmm. And when she initially said that, I said, "That's a lot of pressure." Like I said, "What do you do? Like ask each other questions to see if you're right or something when you're talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> And she said, no, but you, you have that person that you go to that you, we, I think from a lay person, again, lay person's perspective, we don't recognize that pastors also need support and that you need someone that can minister to you. So can I ask you both, Reverend Stallworth, would you consider yourself to be a pastor's pastor? Yes. Yes, and I think for me it has happened due to age and due to experience and, and some of the things I've gone through. And, uh, you know, certain pastors like Dr. Whitfield, who's going to soon be the president of the state convention in Iowa, uh, people just, they designate you. You don't choose to be a pastor's need pastor. To come and vote. Preachers designate you to be a pastor's pastor. Okay. And you know that because they come to you. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, and Reverend Whitfield, how about you? Would you say that you are a pastor's pastor? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, experience and maturity and, you know, you gain a certain uh, a group of wisdom. Um, the longevity of doing this, this is year 30 for me. Um, and so having gone that far today, makes us old senior pastors <laughs> you, know, you know we could be young but doing it that long makes us old and and, and um as as uh dr starworth said uh the, the calls i mean i got i had three calls today from from preachers saying hey what do you think about this hey what do you think about that um uh, and if they don't call you uh you watch the pastors who call you but also you watch the pastors who copy you 
Mm-hmm. You know, who see what you're doing and consider what you're doing to be cutting edge or that looks like it's something successful, you know. So, you know, with that said, you know, I don't copy five things that Dr. Starworth did last year. I just copied all of them, you know, just <laughs> did them, you know. But that, yeah, it, it so you, and then that's something you got to kind of embrace because it, it's a little scary, like you said, it is scary to know that you have a person at that levels uh, that their life kind of like in your hand or they, they're, they, they're listening to you. So, but, yeah, it, it comes. It comes with uh, all those things that we've talked about, and uh, it definitely has to be embraced. And I just thank God that there are pastors like you, <clears throat> because when I lost my son, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I didn't understand it. It was devastating and traumatizing. And the preachers that were coming my way were quoting scriptures that I knew, and it's like mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't want to hear that. I needed to hear something else. I needed to know something about God that I didn't know that you pastors can't preach or teach from the pulpit, but you believe in your heart. And there were very few pastors who could help me get to that. Pray me out of bed, pray me through the day, pray me so that I don't want to give up. Uh And I had that for a year and it's a slim amount of pastors who was able to fill that role. And now that I have, I'm going through it and I know how to read the scriptures and take care of myself and know when the depression's coming and anxiety's coming. Um, I've turned to a, a, a preacher's preacher, I'm not saying pastor, pastor. I've turned to a preacher, preacher. because, And it's a blessing. It is a blessing that people will call me and say, my anxiety has flared up. My PTSD has kicked in. Help me out. And you've got to talk them off the ledge and you've got to help them through it, but mm-hmm. giving them the tools that they need so that they can self do this themselves because we can, yeah. we can self do this ourselves. So I, I have found myself in the preacher's preacher's role, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a blessing to help people who need to find a way to feel better because they want to feel better. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's a good one. So I have a question for you guys. Um, you all have been in online preaching, online preaching mode. You can't see people. <laughs> so, you know, you pastors, when someone, get, you know, we, you, you get your hoop on when you get the amen preach pastor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, when you're in your groove because you can see us, you can hear us and you can see the nodding. Yeah, yeah. How have you all been able to take care of that, that need through this virtual space? And how do you know people are getting it? So what's, what's been your care? for preaching that sermon that's been totally different than it has been before. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can tell you how I, um, how I started. One of the most uncomfortable things I've ever done, um, you know, jumping right into the pulpit and looking at that empty room, <laughs> which which grew the longer I look at it, the bigger it got. <laughs> you know, and I remember the first couple of sermons, I was still preaching in the style where you were expecting the noise or the mm. the, the response. You know that um, who who's that Doc Starworth out of. Uh, 
I think that's Howard Divinity School uh, wrote that book, The Hum. You know mm-hmm. that that call and response. Yeah. The call and you know, response. Yeah, yeah. So I was still preaching like that. Oh, there. I was like, <laughs> and ain't nobody say nothing. <laughs> and it one time it really messed me up. I lost the notes, <laughs> lost my placement, you know, and everything. And um, the way I got past that was I um I um I, I have a habit of uh kind of like rehearsing my sermon in the bathroom. I got this, one of my bathrooms has this big mirror. So, you know, I'm in the mirror and I'm, I'm just a preaching away. And um, because, and it was a joke to me because I knew nobody was there. I'd say I'd, I'd add my own amens in, you know, I know some preachers say that in the midst of this sermon, <laughs> but I went to that mode. I went, I went into the bathroom mode. Mm-hmm while in the pulpit of preaching, knowing that I wasn't going to get a response. And so as I did that, then I didn't need a response anymore. I started to depend on the fact that my content uh, was good. I knew I was saying something worthwhile and then I would, I would move forward. Then the next week or next few weeks, I got comfortable enough to start talking to the camera and Mm -hmm. talking to the people and saying stuff like, uh, if you're with me, give me some clapping hands, throw me some hearts and some thumbs up. And I started talking to them through that thing. And then I would come back and watch the service and see that they did give me some hearts and some thumbs up. And then I'd say, okay, maybe a couple of people like, you know, they like what I had to say, like what I had to say, but it was difficult. It was difficult. Now we came back in the church on Easter and the opposite was just as bad. Now, of course, we we social distance, small crowd. It ain't the you know the packed house. But I'm looking at people. And I'm going, wait a minute. I ain't used to looking at y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a, it was a whole it was a whole reverse 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 setting. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I really did with self care outside of just kind of work through the process of the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that 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 helped me. And then uh, well, maybe this I, I, a few folks was in there. And they tried to, I guess, fill that space. And then they would come and be like, I enjoyed that. And they would come back with a couple of points I may have said. And so that helped me kind of feel as though I landed somewhere in a positive positive okay. space with them. Mm-hmm. Reverend Starworth, how are you doing this? You know, Dr. Whitfield's words were just exactly <laughs> what I would have said. <laughs> but, but, but he so described that transition between getting accustomed to no one being in and now people are back. But the thing that gave me the most self-care, that was, this, that was the selling point for me that it's okay for no one not to be present, is the fact after service, I didn't have anyone to complain about anything. <laughs> <laughs> Take, taking care of yourself, you all know, is is, is important. Yeah. Um, it's something that we we all have to do. Um, 
during the month of April was we were supposed to have podcast and it just got too much for me between the George Floyd, Black Lives Matter and this shooting and that shooting. And it was a son, it was a month that my son died and I shut down. I had to check out. I did all that I could do until I was done. And then I turned everything off and checked out. And I asked Kathy for, you know, time off from not recording because I couldn't. And I just need to take care of me before I can come back. And Reverend Starworth, that Sunday was the first time I was actually back. And when we had that conversation and that was good for me, that was good for me to know that, you know, like you say, you can be in a space, but then you got to know when to come back. Um, And, you know, folks are going to come back and they can't wait to complain. (laughs) Oh, oh my goodness. It hadn't even been a month. I got a note today and I was like, see. This is why. <laughs> oh, dude, I was about to go there. I was like, <laughs> don't don't put this on my desk no more, please. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> we go back on the twenty third, and I told Kathy because Pastor Bennett is is huge at looking at the ministers and telling us to go help somebody because he can see somebody behind us. I said, let somebody want to run around the church this time and take their mask <laughs> off and fall out. I said, he may say, go help someone. <laughs> they on their own. They on their own. <laughs> you know, and I never disobey my pastor, but I will be looking around going. Not today. <laughs> nope. So don't. Because you know someone is coming. Oh, it's good to be back in the house. Yeah. Oh, yes. 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 yes, yes, yes. Fall out if you want to. <laughs> you know, you know, Odell, I was expecting that and, you know, made my people just a little Midwest weird. But we all had an issue coming back. It's like we didn't know what to do. I'm looking at them. I ain't know what to do with them. They ain't know what to do with me. It was, it was you know, we wanted it like we was it's like we were out of rhythm. We was mm-hmm. fighting to get there, get the amens right, get the clap right. It was, it was now, like that last Sunday. Oh man, please, we back, we back now. We didn't got used You're to the new format, and yeah, oh yeah, they, they, they went running out. They didn't run around the church. They ran out the door. So, <laughs> oh, I just, I, I really just have to thank you both. I don't think we've had a podcast where I've laughed so much, and so. Um, I really appreciate all that that both of you are doing. And what Odell and I try to do is expose that a life interruption can sometimes be a traumatic or just an interruption of our lives that can be temporary or permanent. Depends on your perspective of life. We will continue to discuss the impact of trauma and how a moment in time can alter your planned journey. But we also discuss that you can't get stuck there, that at some point you have to move forward. Our podcasts are always for anyone who needs to hear the message. As shared already, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So today's podcast, as the church really hear me, was timely in bringing awareness to the stigmas as associated with these types of illnesses because mental health is an illness. So for some addressing the topic of mental health and seeking counseling and guidance will remain uncomfortable. For others, you will hear it's about time. And then there'll be the others, the the third section that will just sit back and not know how they feel about this. And so we hope that this discussion brings, does a number of things. 
first to bring attention to the need to address mental health concerns and recognize that it is an illness and shouldn't be burdened with the stigma that it is. Second, to let people know that there's no shame in asking for help. In fact, it takes strength to ask for help. And then third, it is our hope that people truly understand today's conversation that took place, that we're not saying replace your prayer life. In fact, continue to pray for the strength to seek support with concerns that you may have for yourself or for a loved one. And we pray that you will pray that you get that help. We thank you both for opening the doors of your church to work toward removing these stigmas and building a platform where people will be willing to start talking about what they are experiencing. And, and to our audience, please remember to like and subscribe our station and please share with others because someone you know may need to hear this message. So again, thank you both. We will continue to pray thank for the you. work that you are doing. And we thank you for the work that you are doing and sharing your stories with us. Thank you for having me. Thank don't, you. Don't leave the room yet. Hang on for a second, please.